Welcome to another Collective Conversation. My name is Mike Brewer. I'm your host today, and I have a great guest in Dimitri Thimelis. Uh, he is the co-founder and CEO at Knock. And if you'll recall from a couple of episodes ago, we talked to Sydney Weber, who is also from Knock. Uh, but Dimitri, welcome to the show. Thanks, Mike. Happy to be here. Appreciate you having me. Excellent. You and I uh, share, I think, an affinity for Seattle, where is that? that's where you're sitting today, I believe. Yes, and uh, I have uh, once again no need for my sunglasses today, so <clears throat> it's about right. You know, just a very—I uh, hope this is a fun story. I moved to Seattle in 1998, and I got there, and it started raining, and it rained for 91 days in a row before I saw the sun again. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Some things, Seattle's changed a lot, but some things don't change, and that sounds about right for this year too. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. I love it. Nonetheless, I, I think uh, there's something about cloudy weather that brings out creativity in people, or at least it did for me. I, li- I like it. Uh, so I I want to dive right in. Um, something, I read an article that I believe you authored or pinned uh, for Forbes Council. And uh, there's something that you said in there that I thought was interesting and spot on. Uh, it was along the lines of, multifamily developers are really good at building buildings, but they're not necessarily all that great at adopting technologies. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's right for a plethora of different reasons, but I'd love to hear your, your take on that um, because I think it's a, it's a right, call it a criticism or a right point about our, our industry. Yeah. I mean, um, you know, I, Mike, I think it's, I, I kind of joke around this all the time with folks, but I call it like an identity, you know, an identity crisis or something. Because, um, you know, we call ourselves, you know, property management companies, not, you know, performance management companies. We call it a lease, not a 12-month recurring revenue contract. We call our leasing teams, you know, leasing agents, not sales representatives. And we call renters, renters, not customers. And so, like, and their property is not businesses. And so it's like, somehow... You know, we, we have this like DNA of kind of seeing ourselves as like, I don't know, some, you know, something like a, the landlord, renter, you know, property manager and not like businesses. Mm-hmm. And um, over, you know, over a long period of time, I think it's just kind of kept our our industry sort of hidden in plain sight. And I tell I tell new hires all the time. I'm like, if we if we hopped in the car together and started driving down the street and I said, point out the next. 10 businesses you see, and we'll count, you know, we'll count them up. We might get in the car and you'd go, okay, there's like a Chick-fil-A, there's an O'Reilly's, there's a CVS, you know, there's a Kroger's, whatever. By the time we counted 10, I'll bet you we would have passed 25 multifamily properties, you know, on like any given, you know, urban street in the country. And um, I just think it's, you know, even, even for people in the industry, like we just, sometimes we have a hard time, you know, recognizing like just how, big and pervasive and like hiding in plain sight we are as an industry. And so uh, I think that dynamic has just prevented a lot of investment, you know, externally, like technology companies don't see this vertical hiding in plain sight. So there's been kind of this weird invisible wall and it's prevented, you know, you think of like a lot of the big horizontal, like the sales forces and hub spots and of the world. Um, like, you know, they don't have customers in multifamily, right? So uh, most of the, the technology has kind of come, you know, home homegrown from the space and just created some weird dynamics, right? And so I think, um, you know, for that reason, uh, I 
I kind of back up what I said, like we're, we're good at kind of building buildings and thinking about it like that. But as far as really leveraging technology and, and, um, you know, using that to drive operational efficiencies, like, you know, unfortunately, like that's a problem. Fortunately, it creates great opportunities for companies that are, that are working on that. I, I think it's true. And, you know, I'm, I'm coming up on my 30th year in this business and I, I hate to admit that. And I wonder where all the time went, but, but I've seen it in, in action over, over the course of those 30 years. And it's, I, I do think that it has evolved and it is getting better. And, and certainly individuals like yourself who are, who are building interesting and cool technologies are, are helping the industry move in a direction that is a little more adapted to how tech will help performance uh, and certainly uh, push outcomes. I'm, I'm interested, <laughs> hopefully I don't convolute this question, but I, I am interested to about a point that you just made about Salesforce. I, a long time ago, I thought, wow, if you could just build a property management system on the back back of a Salesforce backbone, which would be super expensive, I, I think, um, in, in sort of seg way out the accounting piece, which our legacy property management systems are really good at, that would be the mm-hmm. ultimate property management system ever. Is that kind of like, when you're thinking about the origin story of, of knock, is that a, something you had in mind at the time, so, something similar to that or? No. Um, well, I'll, I'll make one, one comment and then share, share that story. Um, there was, I'll, I'll leave the names out of it, but there was a large publicly traded REIT that did a um, like contracted with a, like a big Salesforce consultant developer. And they said, Hey, you know, we've got the, the balance sheet and, and maybe the balls to try to actually take some, take a project like that on. And um, they, I think the, you know, I think like the, the list of stuff that they needed to be built out on top of sort of like a, out of the box Salesforce platform, like the integrations, all the unique workflows, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I think they got like a $13 million, like that was going to be what it would, what it would cost to build it out. And, um, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like, no, what, which, you know, what property management company is going to go invest $13 million just to get something like, you know, that I think, for example, like at the time we like, we were like, Hey, we can offer that out of the box today. Um, and, you know, customize from, from there. So, yeah, I think, uh, it w- it would take a lot, right. And kind of the verticalization of CRMs, um, kind of like the focus to, to support specific workflows. And I think that's definitely like now I'd say that's a trend that we like, I can say, oh yeah, that's, that's sort of, um, fits our mold. But at the time, um, of our founding, you know, we, we definitely did not wake up one day and say, Hey, let's build a you know, let's build a CRM for the multifamily vertical or, Hey, Salesforce doesn't have any market share here. Let's go, let's try to go do something special. Like that's certainly, um, it wasn't how we thought about it at the time. Got it. So your, your story, I, as I recall, I won't be able to recall, you, you had a different name for knock, uh, when it first yeah. came out of the box. Is that right? Just unpack your origin story for us. If you, if you don't mind. Yeah. Um, so my co-founder, Tom Petrie, and I, uh, we'd started our careers in finance and had you know, moved around a lot in, in the country, New York City, San Francisco, Seattle, some pretty competitive rental markets, had done a lot of leasing. Under, I think 
you know, understood what it was like to be a renter in a lot of different places, in a lot of different property types. And um, when we quit our jobs and wanted to kind of embark on the entrepreneurial journey, did kind of the classic make a list of things that suck and, you know, ideate on, on potential possible solutions. And, you know, from a renter's perspective, you think about what it's like to, you know, search for an apartment, compare, tour, apply, move in, you know, and, and, and kind of like the, then the next 12 months of a, a slower sales cycle to potential renewal. Um, there's just a lot that we felt, you know, there's just a lot that was, was missing at the time, right? Like there was no online scheduling, there was no texting, there was no, um, automated notifications, letting you know when, you know, things had changed and all those things are definitely hallmarks of most modern customer experiences, right? Like open table or Uber, et cetera. And, um, you know, that was kind of the, the thing that, that, that we wanted to do. So how can we modernize this experience from a renter's perspective? So we, we started meeting with a lot of property management companies and just kind of asking like, Hey, what, like, why don't you guys offer this stuff? Like I can, my, my dentist lets me book an appointment online. Like, why can't I see an apartment that's available or home for rent and, and, you know, with a click kind of let you know when I'm going to be there and who I am and confirm that I'm qualified. And, um, yeah, they're just, you know, the answer was really consistently like, oh, well, we don't, we just don't have tools for that. And so that was kind of like the idea and the string that we pulled on to get started. Um, so once, you know, once, once that sort of crystallized for us, we needed a name, right? Like we're going to have to like, you know, incorporate and, and have a name. So we, I don't know, we, we picked zip digs, uh, because it was, you know, zip fast digs had something to do with like homes and, uh, the, the domain was available. And I've told this story a few times before, but like we immediately, like as soon as we launched our splash page, there was probably some web crawler out there, uh, for some like IP protection software. And it notified a company in California called Zip Realty that like we, you know, there was another real estate oriented company with the the word zip in it. <clears throat> so we, we definitely got a letter from an attorney, uh, right off the bat saying, Hey, like change your name or else. And, um, that the settlement from that was uh, Knox's first revenue, so that was kind of that's a kind of a funny story. <clears throat> yeah, that's uh, I you know, it, it's not the same, but I, I had a similar situation. I've been, I've been writing blogs since you know, no one really knew what the definition of a blog was, but I I uh, cut and paste a picture out of someone else's blog and put it into my blog, and and I cited the the source, but yeah, I got a take that down or else letter in the mail. <laughs> Really, it's a picture of a bee trap in a in a bathroom. I don't know why. Right. Yeah. But, but uh, anyway, so I familiar. Well, thanks for th- thanks for sharing that. I so as it as it relates to knock, there's this um, there's this term or this phrase in let's call it business in general as of late, or maybe it's been over the last eight to ten years. There's been a groundswell mm-hmm. of this, but digital transformation, right? And I'm. I'm hopeful that you can, from your perspective, tell us what that means to you and certainly as it relates to multifamily and certainly how NOC uh, sets in a digital transformation for a multifamily property management company or or property specific. Yeah, sure. Um, Well, I mean, I think um, maybe um, academically you would describe it as like going from, you know, paper to, you know, paper to to, you know, using paper and ledgers and 
whatever to run your processes to, you know, computer-based, you know, systems. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, like a, like a good example for me is just like, think of the, um, think of a renter's, you know, experience and looking for one of your apartments, right? Like I, I start my, I start my journey digitally, right? Where maybe I used to start it with a newspaper or a, a, a magazine and that I see at the grocery store. And so like, that was sort of one, you know, early evolution of a, of a digital transformation. But, um, you know, up until even very recently, and not, and not that it, this still isn't going on, but like, I can start my experience digitally. And then I'll see an ad for an apartment on, you know, a big, uh, like an ILS. And the call to action is call me, right? And we actually see over 50% of leads, we have almost 2 million units on our platform, and over 55% of leads still start as a phone call. So the calls to action, like the predominant calls to action today across most advertising still kind of rips people out of that digital experience and back into an analog, um, an analog experience of like phone calls. And so, um, you know, that's an example where like, you know, hey, like introducing scheduling APIs, integrating those into ILSs and allowing renters to you know see a an apartment that they're interested in book an appointment uh directly in the ILS you know within the ILS sort of helps them stay within that digital world and digital environment and i think that um you know we're just kind of slowly chipping away at trying to keep people in a digital experience where uh you know things are faster more organized information is you know can be uh, updated more real time and, uh, you know, that, I think that's, that's sort of an evolution that's been going on for quite some time with, you know, maybe slower and multifamily than other industries, but like continues to, continues to evolve. And we just, you know, we'll continue to see more and more and more and more of that until, um, you know, until we're sort of done with, done with analog. Right. But, um, my wife and I were just, we're actually in the process of moving right now and went and toured some places and, you know, one of the properties, uh, I won't name the management company or the, or the property, but like walked in and like I had, they had me fill out a paper, a paper guest card. Right. And, and so to say that the, that the, that the digital transformation is, you know, in any, by any means sort of like complete, like it, it's not. So it's quite invigorating actually. It was like, reminds me like, Hey, we still have, you know, still a problem out there. We gotta, we gotta solve. It it's, it's amazing. Uh it's amazing to me. We, my wife and I are also selling our home. I failed to mention that when you, you said that earlier, but so we're looking for single family home actually. And, and if I compare and contrast single family home search versus multifamily home search, it seems like single family home is sort of forced or constrained by, you know, you can't walk in an office. So that seems to be more of a digital trail, or journey, but, but it's really broken. It's, it's really hard to, I find it, I've found it really hard to rent a house because yeah. the process. Yeah. It's, you know, I think it's interesting from a rent, you know, from a renter's perspective and, you know, this is something we, you know, I wish, I wish someone had just kind of told me this without having to kind of learn it the hard way. But, you know, from a renter's perspective, you think like, you know, I don't, I think people probably on their, their hierarchy of needs or requirements when they're looking for a new place to live is, you know, typically less about the asset 
type um, and more about, you know, budget, location, unit amenities, right? And so, you know, you're not like kind of like four walls in a roof, whether it's in a single family home or a town home or, du- you know, duplex. Um, you know, I think that asset type is is just a bit subordinated by, behind some of those other characteristics. And what's interesting is that from what, what was interesting though is that the, the management companies and the entities that are, you know, built to support leasing and, man, and property management of these different asset types, there actually is huge type of distinction in how they're organized, how they operate, what technologies they use. And, um, you know, I think that's something, you know, it's like, there's no MLS for rentals. Right. And so, um, you know, there's no, I mean, other than maybe a, a few markets like New York city, there's not like brokers that can kind of take you around to look at different, uh, you know, different, uh, available rental rentals in a, in a given area. Right. And so, uh, yeah, it's, it's, um, it, it is a little bit, I think like confusing from a, I don't think people like think about it, but like it, it certainly is disorganized and kind of pro- probably because of some of those dynamics. Yeah. I, I think that is, I think that is true. I, I do. I'm encouraged that I think it, it is getting better. And, and I certainly think that technologies like yours that, that get people into a process or a system that seems intuitive and certainly responds and reacts to their needs in a way that is helpful in that, that journey are going to hopefully segue us to, to a more seamless process in that, in that, because that's in my head, it's a home is literally one of the most important things you need, you know, beyond food and water shelter is, is one of those just fundamental needs. And so it it seems like you, it's already stressful. (laughs) So let's try to figure out get less stressful totally yeah we're not going to uh evolve beyond you know the need for food or, or shelter anytime soon so like this problem isn't going anywhere that that's right well let's take a little bit of a left turn here you you used this phrase early on in our conversation uh performance managers and i'm wondering if you can talk to us about what you mean by that yeah um it's kind of like a joke but i i I would love to champion, you know, the the formal adoption of like PMC means performance management company, not property management company. Uh, I would love, you know, for us to to make that uh, change as an industry um, because hopefully it means that we would think about um, we'd think about technology procurement and operational changes and just change management kind of through a different lens um, if we're thinking about performance, not you know property management, uh, if that makes sense. And so, um, yeah, what I mean by that is, um, just, yeah, just being a little bit more focused on, um, like operating metrics, creating operating leverage. I think, you know, real estate, like, and multifamily assets are such, they're so long-term and you build, you know, they're, they're financed over a long period of times. They're going to operate over a long period of times. And then, you know, we do annual budgets and, uh, we, you know, think about, you know, think about things in pretty long term. So it's easy to kind of make decisions and kind of like, you know, sit with them for a while um, as opposed to maybe more of an agile, like, an, you know, an agile perspective where you're, you're constantly evaluating um, what's working and what's not working and making changes. And, you know, it's just, it's still pretty shocking to me, like how few 
like when we go into, you know, sales process with new property management companies, like how few of them, you know, start the conversation by saying like, this is, these are the operating metrics uh, that we're trying to achieve. Like this is the, these are the operational efficiencies that we're trying to achieve. This is the benchmarks that we want to get across. And like, we've already done the math and figured out like how, you know, a change in say lead to lease or, you know, these changes in economic occupancies or this reduction in our marketing spend or this change in how we staff our business is going to impact our bottom line, like help us figure out how to get, you know, to get there. And if, you know, and if there's a way to get there, like we're going to run towards it because we see the value that that's going to drive for, for owners, for our business and allow us to continue to invest and grow. Um, most of the procurement conversations just start in, you know, start with, a, a different, a different type of conversation. And um, yeah, I, you know, I think that we would be adopting technology and dry, and becoming more efficient as a, as an industry, if we like started being a little bit more ruthless around like um, what do we want to accomplish? And then, uh, you know, what's the best way to get there? Um, and I don't think that we would be as um, kind of stagnant in a sense and just kind of sitting sitting on like, well, it kind of worked in the past. So like, I guess it's good enough for tomorrow. Um, but we're also, you know, the, the other side of that too is like, we're blessed. Like we said, it's, this is a basic human need. People need shelter. Like the, the underlying, you know, macro uh, kind of an environment, you know, for multifamily housing has been very strong. And most operators are, and owners are, you know, having like the best, you know, probably like some of the best, you know, most profitable kind of periods of their careers. Um, you, you, you'd probably be able to attest to that. Um, and so, you know, like there's also that, like, if it ain't broke, you know, why fix it kind of mentality. And, you know, that's, uh, that's a hurdle too. Yeah. I, I, I think you're, you're right about that. It's the last, who knows, five to eight years have been some of the most incredible years in, in the real estate industry. From a financial perspective, from rent growth perspective, even the last two years have just been completely off the mm -hmm. charts. I mean, and to right. your point, I think it does make it hard to get things done. Yeah, it's not often you see. Like I, I've heard uh, some of our customers talking about you know portfolios they've acquired and and sold in a relatively short amount of time, and like they're describing their returns. You know, that's it sounds a lot more like a tech company return. Uh, on investment or tech company growth, you know, holding period returns compared to like what you traditionally would think about real estate. And, you know, that I, I think everyone recognizes that's not like sustainable, but obviously yeah. it's been, it's been um, good for, good for multifamily operators. Yeah, most certainly definitely not sustainable, but we'll, we'll see what the next 18 to 36 months does. Uh, certainly with interest rates rising, it's going to put a little pressure on the industry, but I will always have this sort of, oh, yeah. always, but supply and demand is certainly in our, our favor, I think right now. So I, I'm, uh, I'm interested. So you, you pull a lot of data in to knock into your Ethereum system. My, my imagination tells me that that data becomes useful, not only in terms of workflow for the end user, the salesperson, mm -hmm. the customer, but there's also this 
you know, you if you pool enough data, um, you start to see some interesting things in that data that you can use to inform business decisions. What do you think are some of the most interesting things that have come out of your platform that are that are impactful for a, a real estate operation? Beyond the workflows, is there something in that data that's uh, interesting to you? I think there's some, you know, some incredibly kind of obvious use cases, and it probably depends on like what you know what persona you're talking about. Like, what, what is it a a marketing, you know, director of marketing or vice president of marketing versus you know a VP of operations uh, or someone in IT, you know, someone in IT. I, Obviously, kind of depending on the 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 persona, there's going to be different data that's valuable to you. But like, uh, yeah, just I mean, like automating, you know, automating all of the attribution. You know, for example, like no matter when, where, or how uh, a prospect finds you and initiates conversation, like to be able to automatically um, capture, you know, where that's coming from and be able to share, like, uh, you know, true attribution and helping people find cost, you know, understand cost per lead to or lease and make smarter marketing decisions. I mean, that's like a very, I don't know, maybe it's sort of a plain vanilla example. Um, but then there's, you know, there's other interesting things like um, <clears throat> being able to figure out for, for folks that, you know, depending on how they, how they start their journey, like the, how quickly you respond to them. Um, depending on the channel that they that they initiated in, so there are different ex, you know expectations and leasing outcomes, and and then you know use that data to inform uh, what your goals are, right? Like so you can hypothetically say, hey, like you know a phone lead if it's not responded to in X amount of time is going to like decrease its conversion percentage significantly, as opposed to somebody that starts there with an email. Maybe you've got a little bit more. Um, time the data you know might show and therefore when it comes to prioritization you know these are the things that you need to do first versus second and so um yeah i i hope maybe that's answering your question maybe not um or yeah i don't know hopefully that answers your question but it also you know also what's really interesting is it just drives you know it drives your product roadmap right like i mentioned earlier uh with you know over half of leads still starting as a phone call Right. Like, okay, well now you kind of see what like a, a customer kind of enlightens like customer business problems. And it helps us, you know, think about like what kind of solutions we want to build to solve those problems. So paying attention to that, like it's not just insights for operators, but it's insights for like, Hey, what, you know, what, what's the next wave of innovation or like preventative solutions we can get in, in place in order to like, you know, storm norman perform you know <laughs> i like that <laughs> yeah i i think that's so I, I think where i'm attempting to go with this is um in at some point this data becomes uh predictive and then or you mm -hmm. can use predictive analytics against it and then you can sort of uh do prescriptive stuff or proscriptive stuff so that you're taking this ultimately you get the you, you try or you attempt to remove the human element, especially on the sales side, as, as much as you possibly can, ultimately leaving the human to do what humans do best. And that's relation, right? Being able Connect, to look yeah. the and, and so is, 
do you see sort of the evolution of of your CRM certainly becoming a sort of a I guess a, a completely sort of automated system start to finish where there is no human interaction in that and, and uh, people can actually get things done without actually really having to do anything on the back. It's kind of like, I guess what I'd liken it to, I go to Amazon, I hit buy, that's super easy, but my imagination tells me there's a million automated things on the backside of that click that, that happen that humans don't yeah. touch. Yeah. Or to get the package to your door, right? Like there's, um, someone didn't just look at a queue and then run, run to the back of a warehouse and stuff. Yeah. Um, well, no, I, so I, 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 I don't believe that like the fully automated kind of few, you know, that there's like a fully automated future for, well, okay. There probably is at some point in time. I don't think that that's like a three-year journey. It's just not. Uh, and I would like, fight to the death about like I, I would take that bet i should say i take I'd, I'd take that bet um but event you know sure maybe, maybe eventually um but i do think the marriage of you know technology and 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 humans um you know a lot, allowing people to be more efficient like that continues to accelerate over time and like yeah the data so you know we've got millions and millions of minutes of recorded phone calls right or millions and millions and millions of like inbound and outbound email exchanges and like all that conversational data, you know, we're investing in a lot of auto, you know, automation and kind of conversational, um, you know, AI tools. And I think that there's ways to automate, you know, automate conversations earlier on in order to accelerate outcomes uh, because you can kind of filter, filter through, what's spam and what's not spam, you know, what's qualified and what's not qualified and kind of, again, give the the humans the chance to connect with the folks that are the most likely to, to lease, most likely to renew things like that. So there's a lot of things that you can do with that data to be predictive and, and be prescriptive with how you want your team to spend their time. Um, and, and maybe more interestingly, just even, um, you know, change organizational models. I think that's something that is a a common topic of conversation right now. Like things to say, like centralized leasing, et cetera. But what, you know, what's overlooked often is sort of the the role that, that the, say that the entity, the property management, the, the performance management company has to play in, considering flexibility within their organizational model, like mapping out, okay, here's the customer journey, who's going to do what, when, and, you know, using data to say, Hey, like this data shows that we could change, you know, the, the chain of custody can change in this way. And therefore we need to hire this role to handle this, you know, the relationship say from application till 30 days post move in. There's just, you know, there's so many different ways you can kind of slice it and the data can really help inform like those organizational models and drive efficiency that way. Yeah. I but think fully that, automated, I think it's just like, that's like maybe round 10 and we're just not, I don't think we're there yet. Yeah. I, it, it, I've had this conversation a couple of different times and, and it seems to be, it's, uh, it's evolving to, to that. Someone described at some point the, like literally you'll have your own virtual assistant, like a, 
an Alexa or a Google that would actually interact with someone else's digital assistant that a lot of this stuff out of the, the hands of human beings. But to your point, that's certainly down the road. Um, yeah, well, perhaps, I don't know, I might be a Luddite of, of sorts and, you know, I don't know, maybe I'm just wrong there. I, I, I don't think you're wrong. I, I think what, um, I guess from a selfish perspective, I'm, I'm deeply interested in eliminating as much of the, the, uh, I'm going to call it busy work or distractions. Uh, it's probably the wrong way to label that, but I. <clears throat> I, I really want to see a lot of that go away because I do think that housing is, is, a, is a super important piece of a person's life. It's fundamental to, to survival, right? And, mm -hmm. and getting people in an environment like a leasing office and allowing them time and space to have real conversations with real people and real humans without all this stuff that has to happen, that it's necessary. There's just going to be a powerful shift in the way that we do business down the road when when we can automate or centralize or outsource or even eliminate mm -hmm. stuff um i think it just makes for a more interesting kind of business relationship i wouldn't even label it business at that point <laughs> well it's a you know it's a better customer experience right um yeah, that's like, right I, uh I, i'm gonna butcher the quote i think it's a cuban quote but he was like like treating what is it like Serving your customers faster than your serving your customers faster than your competitors, or you're, or you're going to find your customers buying from them, not you, right? Like you just like you know everybody's time starved. Like the more that you can be Johnny on the spot with stuff, like you're just gonna get gonna get. Or sorry, it's make your product easier to buy than your competitors, or you're, you'll find your customers buying from them, not you. Um, like. Yeah, look at Amazon, right? Like, that's right. I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty of like Google searching for a product, seeing what I'm interested in, and then maybe before going down, entering my credit card and shipping information and creating an account and whatnot, like going and seeing what's available on Amazon, right? Because they've made it easier to buy. So I think the same same thing applies to our industry. And the more that we can make our product, our apartments, easier to buy, then um, like we're going to find our customers buying from us and not our competition and you know, grow, grow, grow. That that's right. I, I believe that's, that'll be the differentiating factor. Um, it's the differentiating factor today and it'll continue to be that down the road. And you know, the, the day where you don't have to go into an office and fill out a paper kiss card, like you just recently experienced, mm -hmm. but you can yeah. rather have a meaningful and intentional conversation with somebody. It's just going to make that, that process so much more delightful than, than it is today. So, um, so NAA is coming up. I imagine you'll be there. Uh, you're, or some, what's uh, what's NAA? A National Apartment Association. An apartment oh, just, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I like that. Um, and I have to. I have to believe this is sort of in my head. It's the Super Bowl of uh, networking for the multifamily space, but it is also a place where vendors get to to show off uh, things that are. Uh, you know, in their pipeline or soon to be, are there mm -hmm. things that you're, uh, and this, by the way, is going to be posted after NAA. So no worries about disclosing anything that wouldn't already be disclosed by that time. Uh, but anything you released in got NAA it. that was awesome. <laughs> okay. So as long as I've got your word that 
any listeners uh, hearing this post NAA, then yes. we were excited to show you Back to the Future. We were excited to introduce like the very first um, fully integrated like AI voice AI and call intelligence product. Uh, and to, to speak a little bit about that, um, as I've men- I mentioned a couple times, and it promise that wasn't intentional and planting those seeds, but like still the vast majority of leads start as a phone call and only two things can happen, period. Call is answered or it's unanswered. And today in either case, multifamily operators are making tremendous investments in order to kind of solve for what happens next and improve outcomes either way. So if calls aren't answered, you know, we pay a lot of money to call centers. If calls are answered, we pay a lot of money to shop those shop those properties or pay money in the, in the form of time invested listening to calls and coaching leasing teams to make sure that there's a really consistent, high-quality experience delivered to someone that we're ushering them through um, you know, uh, an efficient sales process. And um, I think that this is an area where automation can absolutely uh, drive you know, better outcomes. And so the product that we will have introduced by NAA um, is, and I have a hard time saying, using the right convention there. Uh, I love it. <laughs> yeah, it, like we, it's kind of solves both problems. So for calls that are incoming, you know, they'll be greeted by a bot that's able to really elegantly um, qualify and convert prospects and just, you know, make sure they understand that like the fastest way for them to get a call back and talk to their human is going to be to engage, um, get them what they need, help them get as far along in the process as they, you know, can or would like to shift out the junk, lead score, all that good stuff. Um, and then, you know, maybe more interesting is the call intelligence. So like transcribing like these, you know, millions and millions of calls, um, we're able to really gather a lot of information around sentiment and um, what's happening on those calls and offer managers like far better aggregated data into what's working and what's not working and allow them to zero in on, you know, the individuals that need, you know, the most help um, in providing again, like a more consistent and high quality customer experience again for when the phone is answered. So that's like an, an example of, you know, one, one of the many things that we're going to be kind of bringing to the market this year. Um, but one that I'm really excited about and feel like, um, it's just, you know, offers the opportunity to disrupt um, some pretty significant investments and operating expenses today um, using automation and data to, to, to drive better outcomes and better insights, just, you know, far more quickly, far, far cheaper, far more efficiently. So if you didn't come see us at our booth at NAA, please, you know, <laughs> please give us a ring and, uh, and, and we'll uh, love to talk about that. I, I appreciate you playing along there. That's that's really awesome. This is going to play well on on the airwaves. Sure. <laughs> um, so I, I am interested in in forgive my potential ignorance here. I I've I've read enough to potentially understand a little bit of what I'm talking about, but but probably not as much as you, definitely not as much as you do. So the the AI, um, it's it's conversational in nature and otherwise. Uh, known as uh, sort of NLP, or if I'm confusing those terms, let me know. But versus what I what I know to be path based, or in other words, you've loaded the the bot with mm-hmm. all the answers. Is there which version of of this AI uh, 
are you, did you launch it in AA? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, definitely the, definitely like the more elegant kind of modern kind of NLP oriented, okay. um, like intelligence. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, you want like, let's just be honest. Nobody likes talking to a bot. It's nope. a shit experience. Excuse me. Is FCC is going to fine you. I'm sorry, Mike. You send me the bill. You're um, the first speakers on the show. It's, it's awesome. a, it's a, it's a crap experience. Right. And so nobody wants to talk to a bot. Um, but like people would rather probably talk to a bot and get what they need than not never get a call back. Right. Which happens all the time. That's and fair. so, um, yeah, I think the important part is just being able to get people what they need and offer the calls to action that, you know, that are important to them. But, you know, the way people ask for information or request information or um, solicit information is very different, right? Like if I say, you know, when would you like to tour? And you say four Sundays from now. Okay. Well, that's very different than saying July 28th, you know, like, you know, the, like the, the bot the, the engine, the intelligence engine has to understand that, make sense of that to be able to provide something to you that says, okay, great. And I actually don't know what four Sundays from now is, but like, let's just say it's July 28th. Well, then that would be a miracle by the way, if, if truly it was. But, um, but if, if that's the case, you know, then I can say, okay, great. I've got a two o'clock and a four o'clock available. But like, if I wasn't able to process that natural language in the way that you wanted to, um, the way that you wanted to solicit information for what was available on the day that you're able to tour the bot, you know, is going to get stuck and say, you know, maybe it'll say, you know, our pet policy is you know, like no aggressive breeds, you know, under 65 pounds or something like that. And then I'm, you know, and then here I am like ready to kick a wall or hang up or go to your competitor. And so I think, um, you know, that's maybe just kind of a simple example of, like you, you're going to have to have something that's really elegant. And I think that's something that we're, we've really done a good job of, of kind of using the data that we have to, to navigate all those different nuanced conversations and how people are asking questions in order to provide like fast and accurate responses um, so that people aren't, you know, again, pissed that they're talking to a bot. Um, yeah, that, yeah. That makes sense. Is that, so the, is this model crafted such that if if the uh, if the AI is within a you know a, a very high probability of having the right answer for the the question, it'll go ahead and answer it. If it doesn't, in that very small percentage of of a, on a small percentage of occasions, does it does it default to a human at that point, or does it say, "Hey, can you rephrase the question?" Or what what happens when it if it does, or is it just perfect now? Uh, just perfect. Yeah. Right. No, no problems ever. Uh, no, I like, obviously, you know, so many edge cases. Right. But um, I think, you know, in general, right. Like you're going to want to make sure that early on in a conversation, you're gathering, you know, a lot of information and making sure that someone's qualified. Right. And so that, um, you know, before you get into maybe some of that nuanced, um, you know, information exchange, uh, at least there's, you know, enough information that if like a human does need to call them back, like, you know, you're, you know, you're reaching back out to someone who's, you know, scored very highly or, you know, has, has expressed, maybe already expressed indications or information that the model can say, Hey, this is a you know high priority callback. Um, 
also I just say, you know, the unique, you know, one of the kind of the unique things about how we're introducing this is that it's fully integrated in with the CRM. It's uh, and so today, a lot of um, not that there's not you know other solutions that you know you know can can accomplish parts of those things in different communication channels. Some wonderful companies out there, um, but like at the end of the day, like a leasing someone in leasing in a leasing office on site or in a centralized leasing office somewhere, whoever is responsible for ultimately taking kind of custody of that prospect and and working it kind of through um it's it's nice to see all that information integrated with the existing kind of guest card and um the existing dashboards and so i think you know that's kind of the first like no one there's you know there's never been something like that offered to multifamily operators and um the you know kind of beta testing has has shown really kind of dramatic kind of results and in the ability to you know cut down on the on the need for follow up, you know, manual follow-ups to, you know, missed calls to properties. Um, and I certainly think that that will, you know, work to uh, help eliminate the, what's maybe considered today, like require, you know, required investment to operate a portfolio of properties like call centers, et cetera, because, you know, the technology can just eliminate, you know, eliminate the need for those uh, expenses that it would maybe today be considered you know, critical. That makes sense. Um, I, I want to, before we end cap here, we're coming up on, on 45 minutes uh, plus minus. Sure. I, uh, I'm interested. So I'm, I'm growing more and more interested in blockchain technology, NFTs and, and things of that nature. I know we're in super mm-hmm. early innings and we could argue about meta being a, ver- a video game versus, <laughs> versus real life. But, but I am interested if if you see any of those technologies, blockchain, I think, most specifically impacting the way you do business and, and ultimately the way we would do business in the in the future, being the multi-channel space. Yeah, I mean, well, I don't think that there's a single active, you know, um, I don't believe that there's anybody that's sort of like actively utilizing kind of blockchain technology. Um, in order to like operate, you know, operate their, their business more effectively in multifamily today. Right. Uh, I mean, maybe, yeah, I just, I don't, I mean, you could say maybe indirectly someone's accepting crypto as a payment and crypto is based on blockchain, you know, technology and therefore uh, there's some kind of use case. Um, but I think that there's some really interesting um, opportunities kind of at the, uh, what I'd say, like sort of upstream, like in advertising. So um, attribution, you know, attribution models that could be, um, you know, put on put on the chain and like help understand like where, you know, leads originally started from and create some provenance there. And that would, you know, enable, you know, marketing dollars to be guided more effectively. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd I'd have to, you know, I'd have to probably think more about it, but I, I, I do think there's some interesting use cases up there, like kind of tokenizing leases and getting. Yeah. All right. And we're back. <laughs> we, uh, 
I think that uh, Dimitri suggested that Skynet came along and decided that that was a conversation that we were not supposed to have at this moment in time. What do you think, Dimitri? Yeah, we're just uh, too far into the future, I guess. I said, slow down. Uh, I, I think you're right about that. Well, I think we can call it a close. We'll figure out how to stitch this together. Um, there's a first for everything. So this is a first for multifamily collective and I, uh, I will figure out how to do it. Um, well, Dimitri, I, I really appreciate your time, uh, the, the investment of time that you made here. I am jealous that you're in Seattle and I'm in Atlanta because I love that city so much. But uh, anything you would uh, leave our audience, uh, listeners and viewers with before we uh, cut here? Uh, no, I. it was great to see you at NAA. <laughs> I love it. So um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, <laughs> epic. It was epic. <laughs> what, what happened at NAA stays at NAA. No, just, but uh, it was, a, it was great talking to you, Mike. And um, I really appreciate you, you know, having us and taking this time to just, again, kind of support conversations and hope, you know, hopefully are valuable. And um, yeah, it just means a lot and to, to me. And I just feel blessed to be kind of part of this whole multifamily ecosystem and look forward to um, many years of innovation and new friends to come. So appreciate you having me. Yeah, thank thank you very much. I I think uh, you and and uh, you know individuals like you are doing a lot of great things for for our space. And I uh, having been around for a long bit of time and watching all this stuff evolve, I'm just uh, I couldn't be any more excited and thrilled to, about uh, this, the work that you're doing and certainly that others are doing. But I I appreciate it. Uh, anything we can do to be helpful along the way, please don't hesitate to ask. <laughs> you got it. Well. Um... Enjoy your weekend and thanks for having me again. You too. And for the rest of you, we'll see you next time on Collective Conversations.